You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Good afternoon, Buckeye fans. If it is afternoon when you're listening to this, if you're watching it live, it is Tuesday afternoon. I'm Patrick Murphy here with Dave Biddle. We just got back from Ohio State's third spring practice of the year. We got to watch a little bit of that, talk with Ryan Day. We're going to kind of recap some of that. So thank you for tuning in with us. If you're watching live or listening after the fact, please like, subscribe, all that good stuff. That really helps us. And if you have any questions, feel free to throw them in the comment section if you're watching live. We'll get to some of those as well. But Dave, let's start out with the practice. Now, we didn't get to see a ton. It was only 30 minutes or stretching in three periods. But observations you had, you you already posted a practice report on Bucknuts, so people can read that. But for those who haven't, what observations did you have from the practice and, and what do people need to know? And not much to glean from today, right, Patrick? Um, basically the same as what we saw two weeks ago. I mean, when we're seeing 15 met, uh, minutes of stretching, basically, and then the first three periods of practice, which for those that don't know, each period is five minutes long. So we're seeing, you know, really very light drills. But, I mean, the talent does just drip off the page, so to speak, when you look at this team. Um, all you have to do is look at the roster to see that. But you see guys out there like Tyleek Williams, who Ryan Day actually said is one of the best athletes on the team. Um, I was noticing that he his burst is so impressive. We saw that in games last year. Um, and so those are some of the things that stand out. And I think overall they're in pretty good shape health-wise. I think that's another thing that stands out. They obviously have nine guys who are uh, missing spring, um, seven of which are scholarship players, uh, but all of those guys are expected back for the season. Uh, we'll see about how early Lathan Ransom can come back. But guys like Josh Proctor will be back. Um, so I think the overall health of the team looks good. Um, and they're just stacked, man. You watch this offense with C.J. Stroud out there and, you know, even watching Devin Brown, the third-string quarterback, and Kyle McCord, the backup, and they, these running backs with Travion Henderson. I love seeing Mayan Williams out there wearing that number three. I really think he's going to be one of the best backup running backs in the nation. And, of course, this wide receiving core. You lose two first-round picks, and, and they're not going to miss a beat, um, obviously, with the superstar Jackson Smith and Jigba coming back. So, you know, I know we're going to get into some more specific topics, but those are a few of the things that stand out to me. Yeah, I mean, other other things just to note, Cameron Brown back in practice, cornerback Zach Harrison was back there. Um, Dave, you put that all in the practice report so people can read that over on Bucknuts. Let's get into the Ryan Day part because that was probably the most interesting given what, what we were able to see in practice. And you got the first question, as you so often do for Ryan. You asked him about Harry Miller. For people that haven't paid attention or, or may have missed this, Harry Miller, the offensive lineman, former five-star recruit out of Georgia, announced a couple weeks ago that he was medically retiring and it's it's not an injury in the sense that we think of a physical ailment it's mental health for Harry Miller who admitted in this long post he posted on his Twitter page you can read it on there uh, he he contemplated suicide he's really battled some demons while at Ohio State and, and he was on the Today Show just the other day saying it actually dates back to when he was in middle school and, and told his mom the same thing but he went to coach day he told him this because of Ryan Day's past, 
kind of the the situation they have at Ohio State. They were able to to get Harry Miller help. What did you make from what Ryan Day told us about the whole situation? Because he was asked a few times, not just your questions, a few times about the situation. Yeah, it was just over a half hour press conference. I, I would venture to guess at least half of those uh, that thirty minutes was uh, was about Harry Miller, and rightfully so. I mean. Um, he was asked about Harry Miller for the last year and he kept it under wraps as he should. And, and now we know um, it, it's, I can just give Harry Miller so much credit for what he's doing. It's so brave. Um, I challenge anybody to watch that uh, eight minute video on the today show with Harry Miller and, and not shed a tear. I mean, if you can watch that and not shed a tear, you might not be human. Um, what I find really, really cool here. Well, the first thing is that Harry Miller is in a much better place, a much, much, much better place. That's, the main thing. What I find exceptionally cool is the culture that Ryan Day has put in place. And he wanted to take zero credit for what's going on with Harry Miller and Harry Miller, um, you know, coming so far in, in the last year. Uh, and he did say it's still a work in progress. It's not like this is a done deal, but, you know, he's come a long way. But what I find really cool is that Ryan Day has put a culture in place where tough, macho football players can come and, and, and I'm sure there are some guys who still don't feel comfortable doing it, but guys now can feel more comfortable these macho football players with speaking out about mental health issues. And as I said to Coach Day, I don't think that would have been possible 10 years ago in our society, maybe not even five years ago. He put himself out there. For those that don't know, I'm sure most people watching this know, um, Ryan Day's father committed suicide when Ryan, I believe, was only 12 years old, something like that. Maybe he might have even been younger than that. And at first, Ryan Day blamed his, you know, just didn't understand, um, you know, thought his dad was a coward and was mad at his dad. And it took him years to understand that, no, my dad was, you know, he, he had a mental illness. And then he's made that his life life's work outside of football, Ryan Day has, to bring awareness to mental health. He might have saved Harry Miller's life by that, by doing that. And now Harry Miller, by speaking out, he can, in my opinion, save a lot of lives. People can see, oh, this guy can speak out about it. I need to go get help. I don't need to keep this inside. I don't need to be embarrassed about it. So, yeah, I mean, you know, get on Bucknuts and watch the video of Ryan Day. Um, it, he talks a lot about Harry Miller, and um, it was good to finally hear from Ryan Day on it. And I know Ryan was being humble, but I'll, I'll give Ryan a lot of credit. He's not going to give himself a lot of credit. Um, but um, it, it was just, you know, heartwarming to hear Ryan Day speak about that today. Absolutely. And, and if you just Google Harry Miller, you can find – all you need to see about about what he's he's gone through. Um, it's it's been well documented all over. It's on Bucknuts, but it's it's pretty much everywhere at this point. Let's talk some some on field stuff in terms of what the Buckeyes are doing in practice. Dave um, Ryan Day was asked about Jim Knowles' defense, and he was asked about kind of the installation of the Leo position. He said they've they've really stuck with base defense thus far. Only the third third practice of spring, but at some point they're going to have to start installing this defense. It's a complicated defense. Ryan said, even, even the Jim Knowles has admitted that the guys at Oklahoma state took some time to get to learn that. So when do you think the Buckeyes start to really get into kind of the finer details of Jim Knowles defense? And also how do you think that then affects the offense? We've heard, you know, CJ Stroud's going to get a lot of different looks once, uh, once they do have that defense in place. How do you think that impacts what, not only C.J. Stroud, but the whole offense faces once they are going against the Jim Knowles defense every day. Well, I find this very interesting. First of all, to answer your question, I think they're going to start to implement more of the changes, you know, that, that Jim Knowles is going to make maybe beginning next week, maybe even beginning uh, Thursday at the fourth practice where, you know, mixing in that that Jack, that Leo, that hybrid outside linebacker defensive end, which they have not done yet, which leads me to my next point. I find that very interesting because 
I think we were all led to believe, um, and sounds like incorrectly, that the defense was just going to flip immediately from base 4-3 to base 3-3-5, three, three, however you want to look at it. You can call it a you know 4-2-5, depending on, how, on, on what you consider that outside linebacker DN. The point is, I think it's going to be more of a mix than people thought. I think we are still going to see the traditional four-down linemen, um, maybe more than we thought. Um, the fact that they haven't even started to implement the Leo yet, and I get they're three days into spring practice. My point was, if they were just going to completely change the defense and, and go away from the traditional four-man front altogether, I think that they would have already started to implement that. So I think we're going to see, and I, this is something I've heard about Jim Knowles, is that he is as unpredictable as you can get, and I love that. That's a, that's like a that's number one trait I want in defensive coordinator. So that leads credence to the idea that yeah, of course they're going to do the three three five, three two five, or the four two five, whatever you want to call it. Um, that's going to be a big part of this defense, no doubt about it. But it's not going to be hundred percent of the time. They're also going to mix in some traditional four man front. Um, probably not as many like traditional three linebackers. They're going to have the, they're going to have those five DBs out there. But you're going to have. Two of those DBs are going to be Court Williams, who's basically like a hybrid linebacker. I think he's going to have a big year. And Ronnie Hickman, who is a safety, but hits like he's a, a linebacker. Um, I think those guys, Ronnie Hickman's going to be more of a sure tackler this year with that rugby-style tackling. So, uh, But, yeah, Patrick, I found, I found it interesting that they're not just completely flipping to that defense yet. Tells me that they might be mixing in more of that traditional front here and there. Yeah, and Jim Knowles, if you go back and look at his defenses at Duke, and then at Oklahoma State, it evolved. It wasn't the exact – he had done the exact same thing, obviously, with, with his personnel and, and with the, the opponents and things like that. He's evolved. You're moving to the Big Ten now. You're going to have to have some, some bigger looks. Probably sometimes you're going to need more than just two linebackers on the field as well. Um, Dave, the Leo position is one that's interesting for people. Who do you see as the most likely candidates to, to step into that role for the Buckeyes? And Cade Stover, and I know I'm not going out on a limb there. I think anybody who's been asked that question probably has mentioned Cade Stover, if, if not being the favorite, as being at least a candidate. And while Ryan Day, when I asked him about that today, um, you know, declined to really name any names when I said who are some candidates because they haven't really, you know, practiced it at all yet. Um, Jim Knowles, as you know, when we met with him two weeks ago, unprompted when asked about that position, mentioned Cade Stover's a guy that could morph into that role. I found that very interesting that Jim Knowles, before they really even started practice. They had one day of practice, I think, at that point, maybe two. Uh, when we met with Knowles, I think it was just one day of practice. Um, yeah, it was after the first day of practice. Without anybody even asking specifically about Cade Stover, Knowles himself said Cade Stover's a guy that could morph into that role. So I think Cade Stover's a guy that, that's going to play there. They're going to need more than one, though. Mitchell Melton's a guy that could play there. And you could see some bigger guys play there. Um, you know, Jack Sawyer's a guy that certainly could play there. Um and they're going to mix, you know, Knowles usually uses two different guys there that play a lot of snaps. So it's not just going to be one guy who's playing like 95% of snaps out there. Um, he's going to have two guys that he relies on. But I think, you know, I think probably Kate Stover is the leader in the clubhouse right now. We're going to talk to defensive linemen on, on Thursday after the Buckeyes practice. So I wanted to ask Ryan just about the defensive line. The, the main question or the, the question I asked was about, everyone's talked about Jack Sawyer, JT Tuam allow those guys coming on as their second years, but you've got a lot of experienced guys coming back. Zach Harrison, you know, just several guys that have played on this defensive line, maybe not as excited for fans because they've kind of seen this story before. And, and Ryan Day said those guys are important, but Dave, just in general, do you see this defensive line being better 
in 2022. Obviously, Larry Johnson, the lone holdover from the defensive staff. What, what do you think fans should expect from this defensive line this coming fall? I'll be shocked if they're not better. Um, you know, Ryan Day himself, who, who seems very bullish on the secondary, finished the answer to your question with defensive line will be the strength of our defense. Like, and it wasn't like, hey, it might be. You know, he was like, <laughs> said it matter of fact. You can tell he really likes this group. As you mentioned, the young guys coming up, and I'm as guilty as anybody of like talking more about the young guys than the older guys, but like that, that you know, that young four, those four guys that are entering their second year, Tui Moloal, Jack Sawyer, Tyleek Williams, who Ryan Day called one of the best athletes on the entire team, said his 10-yard sprint is one of the fastest on the team. That includes the skill position players, talking about a 325-pound D-tackle running one of the fastest 10-yard sprints on the team. And I think Mike Hall's another guy that's going to be in the mix, and he's add a little weight. All four of those guys I'm extremely bullish on, especially Tui Moloal, Jack Sawyer, and Tyleek Williams. But it's a, such a nice – Fusion. You have these these guys that came back. Jerron Cage is now a sixth year senior. For those that don't know, um, you know he started a lot of games, and I thought he's he's played pretty well. Teron Vincent finally started to come around last year. He's entering his fourth year. You know, I think Zach Harrison's a guy that's going to be kind of like a Steve Miller, but better. Where maybe you were disappointed in him his first three years, um, but then as a senior, he has a good year. And I think Zach Harrison's senior year will be better than Steve Miller's senior year in 2014. And Steve Miller had a really good year in 2014 after really being, you know, a disappointment his first three years. Javante Jean-Baptiste is another one. They're getting Tyler Friday back. You can tell Ryan Day really liked your question, and he likes this mix. They've got at least five guys that have been in the program that he mentioned played in the national championship game on that defense two years ago, five of them, um, mixing in now with this incredible group of four guys coming up. So a lot to be excited there with Larry Johnson and that D-line. They're definitely going to be better, in my opinion. They're losing Ty Tyreek Smith. Um, and Haskell Garrett. Um, but for Ohio State, I mean, you're always losing good guys. That's not – those aren't heavy losses at all. They're going to be a better defensive line for sure. And Ryan Wickerham asked about JT Tumalau, Jack Sawyer, so I threw that up there while, while you were talking, Dave, because I think you kind of addressed that. Let's look at a couple of the other questions here. Uh, we've got one from Nick. Is there a chance that Kyle McCord transfers or that the QB transfer deal happens next year? Right now, you got three quarterbacks, C.J. Stroud, Kyle McCord, who's in his second year, and Devin Brown, who's going to be a true freshman um, on campus. I think that the situation probably works out pretty well for the Buckeyes with, with those three, and obviously they'll add more as, as you go on through recruiting. But um, C.J. Stroud, very likely to leave after this year. I think the backup quarterback this year has a leg up, and then you, you battle it out next offseason for that starting job. But you know, if Kyle McCord has a really good junior year, he could be one and done in terms of a starter. How do you see the, the quarterback room playing out for the Buckeyes? Yeah, I I actually think Kyle McCord's going to stick around for a while, um, you know, and Devin Brown. I think, you know, obviously this will be C.J. Straub's last year. Try and find me an early 2023 20, uh, mock draft that doesn't have him going in the top five. He's not just projected as a first rounder. So this will be C.J. Straub's last year at Ohio State. Again, I'm not breaking news there. I think everybody knows that. So that puts Kyle McCord and Devin Brown in a good spot. Um, and and they, they seem to get along, which is cool, too. They seem to have good camaraderie. All three of them seem like they're pretty good friends. And um, I think Kyle McCord and then Devin Brown, they will battle it out in 2023 to be the Buckeyes starting quarterback. And I don't necessarily think whoever loses that job will transfer right away. I think, you know, with only those, they'll bring in another quarterback that would be a true freshman that year. But I think those guys know. Um, and maybe they'll be told, you know, hopefully they don't do a two quarterback system. It never works. Um, but maybe, you know, Ryan will say they'll have an opportunity to play. And you're one play away from being the starter if you're the backup quarterback anyway. 
So to answer the question, I do think Kyle McCord and Devin Brown will be here at least through 2023. After that, all bets are off. 2024, um, let's say Devin Brown ends up beating out Kyle McCord in 2023. Then I don't know. I do not see Kyle McCord here in 2024. If it's the other way around, I do see Devin Brown sticking around since he's a year younger. Kyle McCord, that, that clock will be ticking. If he's not the starter after his third year, um, I think he will look to transfer. Yeah, and let me just correct sort of how I said that. You know, if Kyle takes the takes the job after CJ Stroud leaves, I think it sets up nicely. Then Devin Brown is there to take over afterwards. Both guys have talked about wanting to be here and competing and, and not looking ahead to to playing right away or anything like that. Obviously, Kyle McCord is is comfortable sitting at least thus far. So I think you've got guys that, that have the right attitude there. Uh, Dave, Daniel says, two things I'm concerned about with the defense, both pass and running and the offensive line. We touched on some of the defense. We haven't really touched on the offensive line, though that was talked about some today. Just Let's just stick with the offensive line here because we haven't touched on that much in here. How do you think this offensive line is going to look this year, both personnel-wise and, and how that shapes up for the Buckeyes? Yeah, we'll start with personnel, and we'll get to like what to expect. Um, from left to right, the starters are going to be Paris Johnson Jr., Matt Jones, Luke Whippler, and they got the DJs on the right side. you got Donovan Jackson and Dewan Jones. Uh, love that group of starters. Okay, and then you got some uh, pretty solid backups. Even with Josh Fryer out right now, Josh Fryer would be the top backup. Might even be challenging for a starting spot. He would be the sixth man. He's missing spring. He will be okay for the start of the season. I think he suffered a torn ACL during warm-ups of the Michigan game. Before the Michigan game, um, he tore his ACL. He had some type of injury in um, in warm-ups and is missing all of spring. I, I'm guessing it's an ACL, not official. Anyway. Uh, Zen Mahowski is a guy running at the left tackle on the second team. They're very high on him, hearing good things about him. Some of the other guys that are in there, they've got Trey LaRue as the backup left guard. Uh, they've got Jacob James as the backup center. Although we were told if Luke Whipler got hurt, what they would do is slide Matt Jones over to be the starting center and then bring somebody else in at left guard, probably Josh Fryer if he's healthy. Um, and then you have Enoch Mamahi at right guard, who Ryan Day said is having a very good spring. And then at right tackle, Ben Christman. So they're they're pretty good and deep up front. What to expect? I think Justin Fry is going to solve the issues of them not doing a good job in short yardage run running because they were terrible last year. It was like a third and one and fourth and one. Felt like it might as well have been like fourth and 10 or fourth and 20 because they were terrible in short yardage. Terrible. And it led to things like throwing passes at the goal line against Michigan. And, you know, it's just – when you, when you mind Williams gets you down there, then you don't even give him the ball because you don't trust your short yardage running game um, leads to bad things. So I think Justin Fry is going to solve a lot of those problems. And I like the personnel here. So, but the proof's going to be in the pudding. I don't, I'm not going to act like this offensive line is going to be like an absolute wrecking crew. They have the potential to be, but I do think they're going to be good. We'll see how good. One more. Well, actually two more here. One, uh, one quick one, one maybe a little bit more in-depth one. And we sort of touched on this already. Steve at said, I thought 4-2-5 is a four-man front with two traditional linebackers and a hybrid safety linebacker. You sort of touched on what you think the defense will look like schematically wise, but for maybe people that tuned in a little late, how how is this defense going to actually line up if it is what Jim Knowles has done at Oklahoma State and, and other places in the past? Right. The only consistent number is the five. Um, that doesn't change. It depends on how you want to look at it. You can either call it a four-two-five or a three-three-five. However, you want to classify that hybrid outside linebacker defensive end. So 
really doesn't matter. It's either a four, two, five, or a three, three, five. Um, so there you go. And, you know, that hybrid needs to be a guy that can do everything, rush the passer, stout against the run, drop into coverage. Um, and I think Cade Stover might be that guy. Then the last one, a uh, bit of a fun one, Dave, when are you bring in G Scott back on the BM five, people are, people are asking. He's, he's yeah, we're, we're going to try and have G on, uh, hopefully, um, after spring ball, we'll see. Um, you know, he's letting things just play out. You know, he, he's trying to just let his son have the spotlight. And uh, and I get that. Um, so I tell you what, we're going to try and have G. Scott on right after spring ball. And here's another programming note for you. I know nobody asked about this. We're going to have Brian Schottenstein and Cardale Jones back on the show at the end of this month, which is we're almost at the end of this month. So next week sometime we're going to have Brian Schottenstein on, Cardale Jones on. By the way, Cardale is going to be throwing passes at Pro Day tomorrow along with C.J. Stroud to the Buckeye receivers. I think that's pretty cool. We're going to have Brian Schottenstein on and Cardale Jones on um, next week when the foundation is up and running officially. Uh, it, it'll be up and running officially next week, their name, image, and likeness foundation, which is literally called The Foundation. So look for G. Scott uh, Sr. as soon as we can get him on. He has an open invitation. Um, and we're going to have Brian Schottenstein on and Cardale Jones on later this month. Good stuff. Yeah, I meant to mention that C.J. Stroud – Cardell Jones tandem at Pro Day. Obviously, CJ Stroud still has another year before he's throwing passes for NFL scouts, but they'll be they'll be paying attention to him for sure. Cardell Jones, he'd love another opportunity in the NFL if he could uh, you know, land somewhere. If if this helps him out, the Buckeyes are certainly happy to do it. Well, Dave, thanks for joining me. Um, as as I mentioned, this will be archived uh, on all of our podcast uh, podcast platforms as well as on YouTube, Facebook, and I believe on Twitter as well. So if you uh, if you can like subscribe on all those platforms, that does really help us out. We'll be back. We'll probably do another one of these Thursday after we talk to some of the defensive linemen, give you some of the insight we gained from that. Um, Steve and I may even do an, an off season uh, start of the off season basketball one now that that season's done. People seem to like the the one we did after the game the other day. So we'll have plenty more video and, and audio content. Dave obviously teased what's coming up on the BM five. So again, thank you, Dave. Thank you all for tuning in. And we'll be back later this week, Buckeye fans. takes two minutes of sheer horror. A new Paramount Plus original docuseries. We were dealing with a serial killer preying on elderly women. A cold-blooded killer hidden in plain sight. He's suffocating people with a pillows. Leaving corpses all over Texas. How did it happen? I was responsible for her. The guilt is immeasurable. They covered it up. Pillowcase Murders, now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus.